Welcome to It's a Small Business World podcast, where you'll get the buzz about small businesses all over the world. We're your hosts, KC and Jaime. We're both passionate advocates for small businesses, digital tech, and international trade. I'm KC Gundiam, and I'm the founder of B2B Match. And I am Jaime Volta, a tech contributor to B2B Match. It's a Small Business World is produced by B2Bmatch.com, the international business matchmaking platform for and by small and medium businesses. How about you check us out today? Hello, Casey. How are you doing? Hi, Jaime. I'm really good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I hope this year brings you everything you want and more. <laughs> I, I and don't, more. Is, is, that, <laughs> is that a curse? or? <laughs> Yeah, actually, imagine you think about it, like more work. You know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, let, let's rephrase it to everything you want. Okay, cool. So uh, for today's episode, we have a guest uh, that has helped some of the most recognizable brands uh, in the world to do business and investment in Africa. She's the founder of C-R-D-E-L-E, a marketplace that connects the world to African brands, uh, Valerie Bowden. Welcome to It's a Small Business World, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me here. Welcome, <laughs> Valerie. I'm so glad we, you know, we have you today. Africa is a really awesome continent that everybody talks about, um, but then we need to, you know, get in the details what's going on there and uh, all yeah, the knowledge and, and capabilities. And I and I think one thing, you know, like that we know about you is that you actually backpacked the whole Africa, right, <laughs> by yourself, which I think it has to be like quite a, uh, you know, a great experience because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great adventure. It was awesome. I was just out of grad school. I really wanted to see more of the continent. And so mm -hmm. I took a one-way ticket to Cape Town and my goal was just to backpack for six weeks. And so mm -hmm. I started traveling. I started crossing borders. I met other travelers. And I was having such a good time that I just kept going and going. And soon I crossed um, 13 African countries. It took mm -hmm. me seven months. And I went oh. all the way from South Africa all the way up to Egypt. And it was the best experience ever. Whoa, that's that's a lot of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, you cover a lot of ground, right? Like I, I think for a lot of cases, um, Africa is so big that we don't even find out. It's a country. Right? It's yeah, a country. <laughs> Well, it's a very big country <laughs> now, actually a continent. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because normally, you know, people don't realize how big it is, right? In terms of comparing their own yeah. countries, even a country like the United States is small compared with the whole of Africa. Absolutely. I, that's and, what I thought um, when I was crossing the borders was that every border, the country changed dramatically as soon as you mm -hmm. cross the border. And so it just showed me how big the continent is and how the countries are just so different from each other. So I actually want to dive a little bit uh, around that. So I was born in Africa. I was born in Senegal. I'm half Moroccan. I'm also, I also have a role within Africa, which is really full circle for me because I spent a long time um, focusing in North America and, and Western countries, right? So, but I want your insight into the cultural difference that you've found and also what it means for business and businesses. Yeah, well, so after my backpacking trip, I moved to Ethiopia. I spent eight years there. My husband's Ethiopian. So there is 
I mean, obviously some cultural differences sometimes when you're doing work, but I think that's also one of the, the biggest benefits is that for me, the Ethiopian culture is so inspiring and has so many amazing values that in the US and in Western countries, we don't have anymore. So I think one of the benefits of doing work in African countries is not only is it like a good business proposition, but it is this really beautiful cultural exchange that is good for you to learn different values that are that you could incorporate into your own life. Yeah. And, and so why Ethiopia? Was it because you met your husband or was it after? <laughs> I mean, I moved to Ethiopia for business. It's it's a really unique country and I really love the food, the coffee, the, the whole vibes. It's it's like a totally different world in Ethiopia. It's a different calendar. It's 2015 right now. They mm -hmm. have their own way of telling time. So the whole country is super fascinating. But I did meet my husband along the way who's Ethiopian. So that was part of it. And, you know, I was doing so much business and there's so many incredible business opportunities in Ethiopia and in other African countries. And every day it was like learning about a new startup or seeing a new opportunity. And so we were having a really great time and we just moved back to the U.S. like earlier this year. So it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, most of my 20s and mid 30s have been all in Ethiopia or other African countries. So in That's that case, wonderful. now the one uh, getting cultural shock is your husband. Yeah. <laughs> it was really weird moving back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, and I want to really continue to explore um, when you talk about, you know, business in Africa. I want to really go into the, a little bit of the, not only the niche, but also some of the details. So when you say... Um, Can you see a specific clusters or industry um, emerging from Africa specifically? Oh, okay. I was going to just say all of them. I, if you want me to go specifically, right now I, I'm really excited about outsourcing because the past few years that I was in Ethiopia, I was working for an outsourcing company and there are these large Fortune 500 companies McDonald's, Walmart, Intel, Cvent, they're all outsourcing to Ethiopia. Um, and I think most people don't realize that the next tech hubs around the world are going to probably be in East Africa. And I think that's really interesting to, to think about and to, to look at. I see. What, what other country did you uh, stumble upon that, that was interesting? Because as you say, Ethiopia has its own calendar, mm -hmm. own language, mm -hmm. own culture. But then... In Africa, you do have uh, Francophone Africa, English-speaking yeah. Africa, uh, Portuguese-speaking Africa. Mm -hmm. I think there's one country in Africa that speaks Spanish. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> Equatorial one. Guinea, yeah. Exactly. Um, and we always forget about them, but yeah, they there's are also there. Arab countries, right? Arab Let's countries at the, you know, and then you have uh, South Africa, which is somehow also its own environment and ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Yeah, I would love to, to understand a little bit better from you um, some of the key opportunities in these different regions. Right. So, okay, if we stick on the outsourcing, outsourcing thing, I think Ethiopia is really good for outsourcing when you need like an American accent. So I would work with like building a telemarketing team in Ethiopia and they have like American leaning accents. Um, but when I talk about like if you wanted a virtual assistant or some really affordable developers, I really like Uganda and Rwanda for that. Like I think mm -hmm. they they have some really affordable experienced talent. Um, but then, like you said, like Madagascar is doing all the French outsourcing and 
it's really shocking to know that Madagascar has faster Wi-Fi than the UK and other Western <laughs> countries. Like they are so quick with their internet and their speed. It, it like puts the rest of the world to shame. So, I mean, whatever you're trying to outsource for, I think there are better countries for it. And so it's just knowing about what you need and then figuring out the right, the right country to partner with. And that I think is that the, the, the trick, right, is how does a company that is listening to us, uh, you know, all of a sudden having a light bulb moment and saying, oh, my God, I can actually go to Africa and, and you know, and, and support my business grows mm -hmm. from there. Like, what is the next step? So I always say, like, um, let's say you need virtual assistance or admin support. I would work with someone like we do it or just anyone who's really understanding of the continent. And you can interview candidates um, and see, you know, if it's a good fit. And I always recommend doing like a 30-day pilot and like um, – like a month by month contract after that, because I have seen some U.S. clients who got locked in with a talent provider locally in the U.S. who put them in like a long term contract and it just wasn't working out. So I think the key is just to like take the first step, interview some candidates, do a pilot project, go month by month. And then mm -hmm. I think that will grow into like a really beautiful, like long term partnership in the end. So you don't have to like jump in like all the way. It feels a little bit scary. Just take like a tiny step forward. So you can, yeah. you can test the waters, right? Like, yes, and, and exactly. Culture works for you. And and I always say that kind of as um, like a secret hook that I know it's going to work for you. Like I always say mm -hmm. we work on like a month by month basis or you should. But I mean, I know so many U.S. companies who once they start outsourcing African countries, it's more about how fast can they build up remote teams because it, it only seems scary until you do it. And so I just say like, go month by month, but I know you're going to go year by year. Like you're going to like sign up for like long-term support, I'm sure. And then in terms of um, all the other functions around building that team, we're talking legal, paying and so on. How is that, um, how do you work? or what would be the advice that you have for companies that are um, starting to build those organizations in Africa? Okay, I'm glad you said that because one of the first things that people say to us is we are not equipped for foreign labor laws. And mm -hmm. the big companies are not hiring there either. They're working with a local talent provider, like a local BPO company who does the hiring and the, the tax and legal implications for you. So even like the largest outsourcing company, CCI in Africa, is working with local talent providers. So what you would do is you work with a, a U.S.-based or Canadian-based organization who has those ties, and then they do the, the hiring for you. And then you just work as almost like a, how you would pay a contractor or a consultant. So it's your team, your worker, but um, you don't have to worry about the foreign labor laws because that would just be so confusing to, to step into a completely different country and having to handle that and the business license and all of that. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's a lot. Oh, very cool. Um, and in terms of, um, so I want, I want to make it easy because I know that when you, we talk about Africa, And, you know, it's the elephant in the room. People, you know, I was joking about it in the intro. People think it's a country. <laughs> I know where um, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is what it is. People are, you know, it's very remote. Usually it's very far away. Um, it's not. It, it's all a blurb, right? For a lot yeah, of people. And it's not familiar with most North Americans. I mean, this podcast is international. So we do have um, listeners everywhere. So hopefully uh, people will, will see the benefit. And even African 
countries and if even African businesses will raise their hands as, hey, we, we can help you with that as well. Um, but I want to also understand, like, give us the top 10 or top top reasons to, to you know, to, when you're in the West um, to have in your consideration set Africa as a business um, partner. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So there's a lot of reasons. I'm glad you said top 10. That makes me happy. So <laughs> um, I think, first of all, it is really affordable. Like just like any other outsourcing destination, you can't get really affordable talent and you could hire two or three developers in Uganda for the cost of one back in the US. Um, so you do save money. And the second thing is, I think it really also helps your in-house team. When I talk to US companies today, their team is like stressed, they're overworked. And so having a partner that you can help like do some of the work for you, like let's say you are doing development work, having an affordable remote team overseas that you could partner with that can do some of it for you is going to help your local team feel less stressed out. Um, another thing I always say is that most likely there's a chance that your company's already outsourcing to Africa and you don't know it. Um, because if mm -hmm. you're working with any, any local company on design work, software development, those kind of companies are already outsourcing to Africa or India or the Philippines and then giving it back to you as like their own work. So um, I just think that you can get faster turnarounds if you're going directly to, to the talent provider um, a couple other things are like DE&I, just including like increasing your diversity in your team. The social impact of creating jobs in Africa is amazing. So I think all around, there's so many reasons to, to work with African talent. They're highly skilled. They're more affordable, quick turnarounds, increasing your diversity, more impact in your business. I think it's like a win, 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 win. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And then what are some of the stuff to to like look out for before jumping? Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, um with with talent, it's I think the best way to set it up is to have someone in your in-house team kind of in charge of managing the remote team because remote work in general can be, you know, hard to set up. So for example, when I worked with this Texas company who wanted a remote team of telemarketers in Ethiopia, they had one person in their Texas office who was meeting with them weekly, emailing them daily. Like this guy was in charge of their success. And then that's why the team grew from three to 12 people. So when it comes to talent, I would just say, make sure your in-house team is really involved and, and helping to make it successful with lots of onboarding and lots of training. We, which is also something that right now, right? Like we, we are way more remote than we used to be, right? In, yes. in, in that, uh, but obviously we have discovered that we have this need for sort of like uh, relatively not constant, but you know, like quite a lot of, of uh, catch up and, you know, touching and everything. But the fact that, you know, we already have like a lot of teams that are remote, right? And and in lots yeah. of companies right now, they are getting like globally remote teams or even, even if you're in just one country, but, you know, like some people can be in different parts and everything and work as a team. Uh, so it, it also lowers the barrier to outsource some part of the team, right? Like, uh, but of course, like the outsourcing is not like just, uh, fire and forget, right? Like you need to be involved. Mm -hmm. You need to be um, catching up with them. Uh, I, I've worked with some remote teams, uh, right? In in this case, in not in Africa, but in 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 other parts of the world. And obviously, the the work for building a culture and everything it, it takes a little bit longer, but is definitely 
definitely doable, right? Like you can sort of, you know, set expectations on how you do things, how your company works, how your, you know, your your uh, standards and your things are. And, you know, like the, the developers will, will get up on you or, you know, the remote workers will will understand you and will, you know, be uh, catching up on or or doing things the way that you want them done, yeah. right? Now, yeah. that's interesting. But it's interesting that you say we're more remote, though, because I... That's I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a lot of policies to get back to work. But, well, more um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's completely remote everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's. Uh, and that's another question, actually, that I uh, that would be interesting is how rem- how has uh, the pandemic impacted um, African businesses and how they you know and their need for digitalization and digitization. I think it's been good in a in a way that remote work has it's like what you said if if a company's already mastered remote work they're more open to hiring people in an African country because they already know how to work with remote teams. So I mm. think that's good. It made people open to to working with people no matter where they're located. Um in terms of products as well like we work with outsourcing products and when the pandemic hit, turnarounds and labor costs were really high in China and India. So we've seen a lot of textile companies in African countries do better and be able to now be globally competitive, if not better. Um, so I think COVID actually opened up a lot of things in African countries that mm-hmm. it would not have happened so fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the questions I have to ask is uh, infrastructure is one of the things that is super important everywhere. You know, I think I personally think Internet should be a right, but that's just me. Is it how does how do you find working uh, with the African continent um, regarding um, the reliability of the infrastructure? Uh, because and I'm saying this because I know specifically for Western countries, North American countries, they very, have very high expectations when it comes to uh, internet speed and uh, down downtime and all this kind of things. How does that? How which country would you say? You know, you can go in. You you, you mentioned Madagascar, but what other countries are at the top of uh, their infrastructure? That's a good question, and that is something that we we talk about all the time. Well, so that's part of the reason why I think Uganda is quite affordable. Um, for example, when we have a virtual assistant to place, um, if if they're in Uganda, they can work from home because the Wi-Fi is good. Most of them have inverters, so the power doesn't go out. But when we're talking about virtual assistants in Ethiopia or Zimbabwe, when the power still goes out, we actually have to pay for them to work out of a um, like an internet cafe or a BPO provider who is going to provide that internet and have the generator for them because their houses aren't going to have that. And that mm-hmm. drives up their, their cost a little bit. Um, and when we are working with a team, let's say in Ethiopia, we'll pay for them to have backup internet. So not only do they have the Wi-Fi when they're in the office, but we'll pay for a 4G stick that they can take home or use if the Wi-Fi goes out or is slow. So it is it is a real consideration that you have to, to think about. And I don't think it like rules things out. Like it's still possible. You just need to make sure you cover your bases and yeah. have backups. A hundred percent. Like um, B two B has some 
you know, uh, resources, amazing at that resources everywhere, but um, mm -hmm. amazing resources in Africa. And I'm very proud that we were able to also source from from the continent, right? I think yeah. it's uh, it's part of uh, putting um, putting back into, as you said, the social impact, but also there's mm -hmm. so much talent. So mm -hmm. much talent and <laughs> good talent. I mean, I'm biased because my husband's Ethiopian. He's a developer and he was working for an outsourced company in Ethiopia. And when mm -hmm. he came to the US, he, he's like correcting American developers in their code. Like he was already promoted and he just kept saying like, I can't believe like more Ethiopians aren't getting more jobs. Like we're like, we're just as talented. And for like weeks, he was like so frustrated when we moved to the US just saying like, uh, like I know so many developers who could do this job, who would do it for like half the cost. And um, so, yeah, there's just these stereotypes and myths that we are just so misguided about the African continent and what's happening there. And it's more, I think Americans and maybe, I don't know about Canada, but I know Americans are a little bit more behind because most of our clients are in Europe, um, even though I'm based in the US. And it's because mm -hmm. Europeans are just, I feel like they're a little bit more open and they've had more exposure to African countries. So when I'm pitching a VA to someone in London, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Someone in Uganda? Cool. When I'm pitching it to someone in the US, it's like, where is Uganda? Like, is that the country that had a famine? No, that was Ethiopia. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just so way behind. And the rest of the world, China, Middle Eastern countries, Europe, they're all doing really good business. And it's the Americans who are who are really lagging behind, in my opinion, and missing out. Um, you know? Well, that, that's why I'm so happy to have you here today, because I think it's really important to talk about the, the opportunity, the benefits, uh, and also... I'm going to call out the my business fellow, uh, my business owner fellows out there is like, it's when you are building a business, think globally right away. Don't, don't think locally. Don't think small. Mm -hmm. The, you know, if one thing was mainstreamed with COVID is the opportunity to really hire anyone anywhere mm -hmm. in, you know, in the world. So I think um, I really it's really good that you highlight Africa like that. Um, it's really it's really important. People are often surprised to know that I was born in Africa and I have I'm a tech entrepreneur. So they they go, oh, I thought you were Canadian. I am Canadian proudly, <laughs> but I was born in Africa as well. Uh -huh. uh, so, so it's really important to uh, to to take that um, into consideration. So. Um, where can people like I, i'm thinking and i'm 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 hearing you speak and jaime i'm pretty sure we want to know where people can uh like uh, you know reach uh, reach valerie uh, yeah. out and uh, and work with her i'm glad you asked that so what i love to do is i love to hop on like a one-on-one -on -one free consultation and just hear about someone's business what services they're providing what products they have and just to see where could we you know make African talent or African products into, into their company. Um, and so you can go to, we call it cradle, um, cradle.com. It's C-R-D-L-E.com. And you can get a link to our, um, appointment booker and you can book appointment with me or our team. And we'll just walk you through no pressure and just explore what opportunities could be available for you and your industry. And do you have to be big to work with you? Like what's, uh, what's your usual customer? No, we work with such a big range of companies. We work with like a solopreneur or like a female business coach, lifestyle coach, um, as well as small and medium companies and fortune 500 companies. So we're really, 
Um, I've done it all and I love working with each niche, like with the, with the female coaches, I love working with them or the small companies because it's how they get ahead is working with African companies and working with African talent because it's more affordable. That's how the small business gets ahead. And with large companies, it's always rewarding because they're the kind of company that can just say, I need 20 people. I need a hundred people. And we, mm-hmm. we've filled those seats before. So, um, yep, we work with a large range of companies and we're really proud of that. And last but not least question is um, social media, um, your social media, uh, or are you more email or <laughs> how do people now, I was told people now uh, just call you. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> On the phone. <laughs> such, a, such a boomer thing to do. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> how dare they just call? <laughs> You can call us. I would say um, you can find us on, we're on Instagram at Cradle Africa. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I love LinkedIn. Um, so you can find my personal my personal on Valerie Bowden or our um, Cradle LinkedIn page as well. Amazing. Or Valerie, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, as usual, if you have any anything new you would like to talk about or share with us, super happy to have you again. Um, thank you so much for enlightening us. Jaime, you, we learned a lot today, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks a lot for the chat. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure um, the audience will be, will have a you know, light bulb moment as well and be very, yeah. Um, yeah Probably it will, it will have put a lot of ideas into people and, and at least, you know, look into that and, and consider mm-hmm. that as an option. Super important, that. super important. Yeah. Thanks for well, thank having you. me. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge as well as your background and um, everything you're working with us and the audience.